Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Great. So let's open up our Bibles together, if that's all right. So today, the whole of the Doxedo family is starting this journey that we call Follow. And just to once again say, if you need any of these resources, all the messages have been recorded pre, um, you know, we did it actually at uh, Moonshot Cafe and all of the devotionals, all of that stuff is on the website. It's called Follow Life-Giving Habits, and you can just Google it and you will find it. But in this six-week journey, we want to investigate and examine what it means to take daily steps with Jesus, daily steps with Jesus. Why? Because we believe that in Jesus, God invites all people not to simply know about him in some vague religious sense, but to follow him with every facet of who we are, every part of our being. And in that way, following Jesus is much more a habit of life than it is simply a moment or a season of life. Why? Because a habit is something that I do so often and so regularly that it eventually becomes something that I don't even have to think of consciously having to do. It just becomes part of who I am. And so these six life-giving habits that we're going to look at of following Jesus, they actually work to establish us in this new life that only Jesus can give us. And the first habit we want to look at today is this one. It's called, I surrender to Jesus as Lord. The first habit is, I surrender to Jesus as Lord. Now, I'm the youngest of three kids. I don't know what your house setup is, but I know this. That if there's an eldest child among us here, you have a deep wound in your heart. Maybe you've never said it out loud, but I know that you have a wound, eldest children. Let me just voice it quickly. You see, there was a day that you were the only one in the house. Do you remember that? Life was good because you were the center of attention and all love and, you know, time and everything went to you. And then there came a day where your parents returned from the hospital and they brought this tiny little frame into the house. And with as much cuteness as it could muster, it announced, now I am Lord of this house, right? (laughs) Come on, eldest kids, I know that you have that wound because everything changed. Suddenly all the attention and everything went to that little frame, right? Amen? Counseling for you, we will organize it. But here's the thing, friends, Jesus, after his resurrection and just before he ascends back to the Father, he makes an an infinitely more radical statement than that. Because listen to what he says in Matthew 28, verse 18. He says famously, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's massive. That's a massive statement. But what does it mean? It means that after completing his work on the cross, Jesus is resurrected and he stands up and he basically says that all authority, whether it is the heights of the heavens or the deepest dark depths of the earth, all of it is now mine. It's almost like the coronation moment of a king, you know, a king going and sitting down on his throne. This is that moment where Jesus in plain language says, everything is mine, everything. And that has massive implications for all of mankind because it means that in the victory of Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross through his life, death, and resurrection, there is now an invitation 
from God to all of mankind to share in that victory. That that victory would become your victory. So in the, in the storyline almost of the Bible, the narrative, in the Garden of Eden, we see the disruption of everything. But now in Jesus, God comes to announce the restoration of everything under the Lordship of Jesus. I come to restore all things under the Lordship of Jesus. And here's the thing. I think so many people, maybe even you today or people outside of the church or Christians for many years, we have this picture in our mind of Jesus as what? He's the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. And I want to say that's a good start because, yes, Jesus, of course, is the Savior, but he's much more than that. He's much more than that. Acts 2.36 says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him Jesus, what? Both Lord and Christ. Lord and Christ, or Lord and Savior, some of your translations will say. Yes, Jesus is nothing less than the Savior of the world, but he is so much more. He's the Lord over all things. And this has so much implication for our lives. You know, I've got a friend, and he is a big, burly man. He's built like a mountain, literally. And, you know, once they were on the beach, and he was a really good water polo player. So this guy can swim. And so he sees someone in the water drowning. And he goes, he's brave. He goes into the water, and he tries to save this guy. But the water was so crazy that in the end, he starts drowning. And he says there was such an you know, existential moment. He's in the water, and as he realizes, I'm about to drown, he feels this tug. And it's the, it's the lifeguard. He's come in, and he's actually been able to pull this mountain of a man out of the water. He saves him. But here's the thing. So when he brings him back to his family and his parents, that's where his responsibilities end, isn't it? He's not going to now pay for his like, university tuition and phone him every day and you're, you, know, you have petrol in your car or care from. No, he saves him and that's it. But not so with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, we are saved through his work so that he would be our Lord. We are saved so that we would come under the rulership of the King, Jesus. And it's, friends, it's understanding that and living from that reference. That is the first habit that we want to start nurturing in our life, in our faith. That Jesus is the Lord and I surrender fully to him. Romans 10, 9 so famously says, If you confess with your mouth that what? Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that English word Lord comes from a Greek word called kurios, and it means very forcefully the following, that it's someone to whom a person or thing belongs. That's a strong word. To whom he or she belongs. And the thing is, that's a massive biblical truth. We see it all over the Bible, but it raises this big question in our hearts as modern people. And it's this question, who is in control of my life? Who's actually in control of my life? You know, it's almost like the joke of the two old ladies. They're driving, it's like geriatric ladies in their car. And the one turns to the other one and says, hey, do you realize that you just went right over three stop signs, two red lights, and you just drove right across a roundabout? And the other one turns to her and she says, Wait, so are you saying that I'm driving? 
Dad jokes, friends. <laughs> but that's the question we all asking. Who is actually in the driver's seat of my life? And as modern people, we have a very strong answer to that question. Because the Bible speaks about lording it over someone as having control over their life. And we hear that and we're like, wow, that's scary. As a modern person in 2021 with an enlightened mind, I don't want anyone to have control over my life. No one. So to the question of whose control, you know, in your life, who has full control, we answer very confidently as modern people, I have control over my life. Yes, I'm the Lord over my life. I make decisions. But the reason for that is very simply, all of our philosophy students will help us with this. The reason for it is that in the modern age, we've been conditioned to these two ideas, that truth is pragmatic and it's individualistic. It's pragmatic and individualistic. Truth, we say, no, it's pragmatic. In other words, there is no such thing as capital T truth. It's true for everyone. No, there's only what's true for me. Hashtag my truth. And it's individualistic. I am at the center of my life and the universe in that sense, so I will decide what the parameters of my existence is. I decide what's right and wrong, how to express my sexuality and how to spend my money and how I define right and wrong. So that's how truth works. But here's the issue, friends. When Jesus makes his announcement, he is directly opposing those two ideas. Because he comes and says, no, I am the truth. I am life. I am the king. And I think, you know, the Apostle Paul, he was one of these early followers of Jesus. This whole wrestling as to who is actually in control over my life, he phrases it so well. He sketches this vivid picture. When he writes in Romans 7, he says, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that's within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. That's Mondays for most of you guys. But who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God, Paul says, what is the answer? It's in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that whether you are religious, irreligious, Christian, agnostic, atheist, doesn't matter. He says we all know something instinctively in our hearts. And that is, yes, we say boldly, I am the captain of my soul. I'm in control, but yet we know I'm not fully in control of my life. I already, all of us, already have some kind of Lord that we bow down to on a daily basis. Maybe it's your sexuality. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's trying to earn the status that you feel you deserve. Maybe it's your parents or maybe it's your spouse and not wanting to lose them. But we all have a Lord that already lords over us. And like a good servant, when it calls, when money and the love of money, when it calls me like a good servant, I bow down. Whatever I need to do, I will bow down with my emotions, I will bow down with my, my health, I will bow down with the lives of my kids, I will bow before my Lord. So we all know I'm not fully in control of my life, but the Bible makes this point over and over again to say, yes, if I bow down in that sense to money or sex or power or status, it will destroy me. But it says, here is Jesus. He is the only Lord that if I fully submit myself to him, 
He will not damage or destroy me. In fact, it's in Him the Bible says that I get, I receive, I experience God quality life. It's in Jesus that I receive and experience God quality life. John 10 verse 10 so famously says what? Yes, the thief, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy in your life. But I, Jesus says, have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. That is the Lord that we serve. And the Bible says it's only when this Lord becomes Lord of all in my life that that God quality life starts taking over every area of who I am. I mean, guys, think about what John 3.16, this is this verse that everyone and their grandmother can quote even outside of the Christian faith. What does it say? For God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Listen to me this morning, friends. This is the God that calls you to him. The God that knows you, number one, and yet loves you more than anyone else. He knows every fiber of your being, every aspect of your history and future. He knows the thing that you will not even tell your spouse or your best friend. And yet the Bible says he loves you like no one else. And it's that God that says, come and fully give your life to me as Lord. Surrender your life. Because it's that love that calls you. So yes, we do need Jesus as Savior to secure my eternal destiny. But we need Jesus even more as Lord so that he would secure in this life my calling, my purpose. That he would secure my life. Jesus is not just the Savior of the world. He is Lord of all. Amen? It's very quiet. You're speaking about Lordship, and I'm guessing that's the reason. Um, Renee, if you want to say amen at any point, I will free you to do that. Uh, Kevin, let me keep on picking on you. Just an amen every now and then. Not to me, just to Jesus, guys. So practically, what does that look like? What does it look like to fully give over my heart and my life, my head, heart, and hands to Jesus as Lord? And it simply means this. To surrender to Him means that in the same way that I trust Him with everything for salvation, I trust him with everything to save me in the very same way I trust him with everything of my life. I trust him with everything. So so this could look like this. If he says the following, or if this is true, I believe it. For instance, who he says I am, that I truly am. That's lordship. What he says is best for my life in the season, in this area, it is the very best that I can ever experience. What he commands me to do in a moment or in a season or for the rest of my life, it's the very greatest thing that I can do with my life. And when he says, I am with you, I can trust him and know that. That's lordship, friends. That's lordship. I trust him as much as I do with anything else. So that's why I will willingly surrender my life to God. Because it's his love that comes to show me who he is. So I can unconditionally obey him. Unconditionally. God, whatever you say. 
And when I say that, let's be honest, again, it's activated in many of our minds. Oh, I see what Christianity is about. That's what many people think, right? We've said it so often in Headfield. It's basically religious moralism. Christianity is about trying to be a better person. I'm a bit of a sucky person, and I've gone into a really bad space of life, and now I'm just going to sprinkle a bit of this Jesus stuff over it so that I can just have a, you know, a, better, a better season, a new leaf. You know, I'm just going to turn over a new page. And so I'm basically still the same person. I just have a bit of a boost from Jesus. But that is not what the Bible says Christianity is. It's not us trying to prove ourselves to God and earn His love or respect or blessing or something like that. No, it's Him, the loving King of the universe, coming to show His love and grace to us and then invites us to say, now give up fully, surrender fully, hand over fully the whole reign of your life. So the fact of the matter is, I can only be, you know, we all about self-expression in 2021. You express yourself, be yourself, find yourself. But the Bible says I can only ever fully be who I have been designed to be if every aspect of my life begins to align with who Jesus is. Contrary to the world who says, no, it's all you. Find yourself. Load the universe onto your shoulders. No, Jesus says it's on my shoulders. Let me tell you who you are. And when every area of your life begins to be aligned with who I am, you will find a you that you never realized was even there. He's not giving you a second chance at your life. That's religion. Oh, just one more chance. Just one more Sunday. Just a little bit of penance more. He's not giving you a second chance at your life. He's giving you his life. That's very different. Maybe imagine it like this. Our hearts are like a boardroom. And in that boardroom, you have, you have all the key role players, right? My love life is there, and my money is there, my career is there, and family, and all these different aspects. They all have a chair, and they are arguing. Oh, we should do this, and we should go there, and we should make this decision, and marry that person, and move there. And, and what does religion say? It says, try really hard to pull up a chair for Jesus as well. Just pull up a chair for him. And invite him to say, come on, Jesus, you know, you throw your two cents in there as well. And Jesus is there, hey, guys, let's go to church. And, and money's like, no, man, shut up, Jesus, let's rather do this. And so he's just another seat around the table. But the Bible says lordship means, no, he doesn't have a seat around the table. He becomes the CEO. And he comes and he fires the whole board. And he says, now I am Lord of this life. That is lordship. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 can make such a bold statement. It says, it means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A better person? No, a new person. They've become a new person. The old life is gone. And behold, the new life has begun. Do you see that picture? In your heart, there's a new king and therefore what? A new kingdom. There's a new king and a new kingdom. And in this kingdom, we live in the opposite spirit to the kingdom of the world. Not out of arrogance or hate, out of humility, because our king is who he is. And in this kingdom, we are driven by love. And in this kingdom, we are empowered by the spirit. And in this kingdom, we follow with joy what our king gives for us to do. Colossians 1.13 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. 
New king, new kingdom, new way of life. You know, I love how J.R.R. Tolkien, when he wrote The Lord of the Rings, and for some of us that's a book, and for some of us it's a very old movie, and let's just hope that Amazon doesn't mess up the series they're busy with, and no one ever reboots that, um, because I know Netflix will just stuff it up. But let's just say for now, J.R.R. Tolkien, and he's thinking about this third book, the final in the trilogy, and what does he call it? He says, I'm going to call it the return of the king. Why? Because when Aragon comes back into the picture, what? Everything changes. The Bible says the king has returned. Everything is different. So let's make it practical. What would that then look like for us, friends? What would it mean for us to have Jesus as Lord? And I want to give us just two sets of things we're going to look at, just really briefly. One is that there's a new way of looking at my life if I'm a Christian, and one is there's a new way of living my life as a Christian. One way of seeing it differently and one way of living differently. And the first is this. I now, this is what lordship means. So rendering to Jesus daily as Lord means that I now see my life with a new identity. I see my life with a new identity. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a new identity. Guys, just imagine what the scripture is saying. It's saying that you can have such a profound association with the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that everything that you used to be has been replaced with who he is. I want to tell you, we cannot do that. You cannot church your way there. You cannot religion your way there. This can only happen, as the Bible says, by being born again into a new identity. You have to be born by faith in the work of the Spirit into a new identity. I think of the Born Trilogy. And I think of that first movie where Matt Damon is the secret agent. And the movie is called what? The Born Identity because he has forgotten. He's got amnesia. He has forgotten who he is. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I meant to do? And can we just be honest? There's only three Born movies, right? That fourth one doesn't exist. We all know. That was just a rubbish movie. So we'll just forget about that. It's the trilogy. But in that first one, he has forgotten who he is. And friends, the Bible says that is exactly what mankind is apart from Jesus. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I meant to do? And it's only, the Bible says, we invite you not to become religious and follow a bunch of rules and be a stuck-up person or something like that. It says, no, I invite you to so strongly associate with the life, death, and resurrection that everything of your past, all the brokenness and the hurt and the pain or the arrogance or the know-it-all, I'm going to fix my life, all of that, it becomes replaced literally by who Jesus is. I have not just a sort of a better life. I have a new identity in Christ. Everything the old person was is replaced by everything that Jesus is. I have to see my life with a new identity. But secondly, is I see my life now also with a new priority. 
Everything in my life is now prioritized differently. I just said it to someone again the other day. This is a strong word, but you know, think about generosity, wanting to be generous if Jesus is Lord. And I heard a pastor making this statement. He said, if you and your colleague, you know that you make exactly the same salary, if you live in the same way, you're not being generous. Isn't that true? Why? Because he lives, if he's a non-Christian, from a different priority. It's not an issue. I'm not judging anyone's worldview. The Bible says we don't judge people that are outside of the Christian faith. We hold people inside the Christian faith accountable. If I don't have a different set of priorities, I've not fully brought this area of my life under Jesus as Lord. Listen to what it says in Luke 9. Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So what is Jesus? He's vividly illustrating this fact that we often speak about in Doxa. What is it? That my activity will always follow my identity. That identity precedes activity. Religion says change your activity and hope that it does something on the inside. No, Jesus says let me come and give you a new identity. Let me deal with sin, Satan, death, and brokenness. And from that activity will change. That's a completely different way of looking at it. We don't change on the outside so that God would love us or accept us. No, we allow Him to come and transform us on the inside. Come and address my identity of brokenness. I'm worth nothing. I'm rubbish, God. I'm a failure. I'm what my parents or a teacher or what this person that left me at the altar, I am that. No, you have a new identity and from that activity changes. Amen. Thank you, Mana. It's almost like in marriage, guys. Shay and I, we're coming close now to 13 years of marriage. But can I tell you, I can still remember that day that my beautiful wife came walking down the aisle. But do you know that I did not? As she was halfway down the aisle, I ran up to her and stopped her and said, wait, just before we make this commitment, I just want to check, who's going to take out the trash? I just want to make sure. How's that going to work? Like, who's going to take the kids to school? And like, who's going to make the coffee? And like, who's going to do what? Who's going to do the budgeting? You know, I want to sort out the activities. No, that's not how it works, is it? No, we say, no, first we make the commitment of love to one another, and then everything is rearranged. Jesus says, let the love of the king come and transform you on the inside, and then every single thing in your life will be rearranged. I live with a new priority. That's lordship. But then secondly, it's not just seeing my life differently. Yes, there's new identity. Yes, there's new priorities. But I also live differently because of that. And what is that? Just two things, really simple. I live in a new community. Oh, yes, friends, here it comes. <laughs> Christianity is not a solo sport. Amen. Oh, yes. I'll just say amen on your behalf there. It's not for lone wolf Christians. No, if I am under the lordship of Jesus, it means I am not my own. I'm no longer my own. The Bible says I have been bought with a price, and that means that that king has placed me in a family. He's placed me in a body. He's placed me between brothers and sisters. Listen to what Luke, or rephrase, Ephesians 2.19. It says, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. No, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And verse 20 says, together we are his house. Friends, can I just say it? In Dr. Hetfield, community is not optional. 
It's for all of us. Because you cannot live this Christian faith alone. The enemy will rob you of your effectiveness, of your glory that God has prepared for you, of the calling that he has upon your life and your work. He will take those things from you in isolation. No, Jesus says, I paid too much for you to leave you isolated and alone. I have a very wacky and quirky and imperfect family for you. And they are going to rub you the wrong way. And then they are going to love you and help you. And you're going to do the same for them. And sometimes you are going to hate them. And then you are going to love them. That's church. It's a beautiful thing. And yes, at times it's a broken thing. But there is a beauty in that. He says, I've placed you there. Friends, you can choose today. I can choose privacy or I can choose growth. But I can't have both of those. Either I walk in transparency. God, I'm opening up my life. It's difficult. Goodness, these weird people are going to look into my life and, and I will look into theirs. And accountability. Come on, guys. When I'm veering off of what God has for me. If Mel and Wayne is veering off of the calling that God has upon their marriage, I hope someone in this church will lovingly close to them and say, come on, guys, God has more for you. And if they're doing well and they're excelling at their vocation, the people around them would applaud them and say, come on, guys, keep on going. That's community. I live because of the lordship of Jesus in a new community. But then lastly, I live also now under a new grace. I live with a new grace in my life, the unmerited favor of God upon my life. Ephesians 2, 9 or 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So listen to this, friends. If lordship and surrendering sounds like, oh, I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to submit to the Lord. It's not that. It's not trying harder every day. Oh, just give away you know, sexuality to what he says and give away my budget. No, it's every single day of my life coming to embrace progressively the grace that he has for me. God, if I look at the cross and what you've done, if I look at the unconditional love that you have for me, God, it's like the grip over everything in my life is just taken like this. This white knuckle, I will make it work when the grace of God enters my life. I just let go. God, just take it. Take all of it. Take every bit of who I am. That's the daily journey. God, come and deepen my understanding of your grace. And because of that, God, let my life just become this temple to you. So let's finish off where we started. All the way back to the beginning. Jesus comes and he announces, like those wounds in the elder children, he comes and announces, listen to this, I want to read the whole thing to you, Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and therefore go. And make disciples, followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And just before I end, I just have to, we can't read the scripture without saying it once again, friends. If you are a Christian here today, whether you have been one for 80 years or eight seconds, the first step of obedience is getting baptized as a believer in water. That's what it says. 
And so if you have not been baptized, there's a card right in front of you. Take it out right now. And on the next step card, you say, I want to find out about baptism. But also, I can't let this moment go and say, if you sit here today and you say, man, I do not want to be the Lord of my life anymore. I do not want to be the one who has the reins. I have messed it up so many times. I am desperate for the love of God. I don't, I'm not desperate for religion. I'm not desperate for rules. I'm not desperate for trying to put up a brave face on a Sunday. I want the unadulterated, unfiltered love of God. Then today, take that card and say, I want to get baptized so that we can walk the road with you of what it means to be a Christian. But he says this. He says, all authority is mine. And therefore, he says, remember this. I'm with you always till the end of the age. He says, I'm with you. No matter what happens, Charlie, no matter what happens in your life, Manalisi, no matter what happens in your life, the brokenness, Francinelle, doesn't matter what happens in your life, Jesus says, if there's brokenness, if there's hurt, if there's betrayal, if there's a failing economy, if it's politics, if you feel, God, I'm not enough, if there's depression, whatever there is, he says, I am with you till the end of the age. You know, I've told this story before. But in primary school, I, we were in the Western Cape on a sports tour, and my parents surprised me on my birthday, and they bought a plane ticket for me to fly home. It was amazing. I'd never been even in an airport, never been on a plane. And so my coach drops me off, and there's this friendly lady there, and they put this thing around my waist to show everyone I have no blooming idea what I'm doing. And so she says, listen, I'm going to help you. I am going to take authority over this moment. So come with me. And she takes me to this room, and there's food and nice things and a whole bunch of other people. And she says, just wait for me here. I will come and fetch you at the right time. Man, it's exciting. And I'm starry-eyed. Everything is shiny, and it's big, and it's awesome, and there's food. It's so cool. And then eventually the people start kind of leaving. They start getting up, and they go. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not sure if that's, that's not for me, obviously, because she said she's going to come and fetch me. And eventually everyone is gone, and a lot of time has gone by, so I start getting a bit panicky. And so eventually I kind of open the door, like, oh, I'm not sure, should I go? And it's, it's starting to rise up in me, and so I start walking around, like, where should I be? And everything is big, and it's confusing, and eventually that bit of panic becomes full-blown anxiety. Where is she? Where should I be? And I start running around in this airport, and eventually, one of the airport staff, probably because of the thing around my waist, they're like, what is this child doing? And he stops me. He's like, where are you going? And he looks at the details of my flight, and he says, you are very late. You are going to miss this flight, so let's run. And we run together to the boarding gate. And the, you know, they've already gone to the plane, so we run literally across the tarmac together into the plane, sit down, and my heart is beating like a million times a second. Why? Because this thought is front and center the whole time. Why did she abandon me? She said, you can trust me in this moment. I have authority here. And yet, she abandons me. And here, Jesus says something infinitely more impactful. He says, I don't have authority over a little space in an airport. I have authority over life, death, the known and unknown universe, every aspect of who you are and will be. I have authority over all 
things and know this, Christian, that I'm with you, Jesus says. I am with you till the end of the age. So as a Christian, I'm not sitting around waiting for heaven. No, new life starts today. God quality life under the King who is love and grace starts today. And every day, therefore, I surrender in daily steps to Jesus as Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship to join me just as we pray together. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray this morning that we would be so deeply, God, just, just impressed, God, upon our hearts once again. That you do not seek a Sunday, you do not seek certain aspects of life, but you want all of who we are as the most loving king in the universe. And I pray, God, for every heart that is anxious at the moment, just to surrender, just to give over. I pray for every Christian sitting here knowing that there are areas of their life that they want to so badly align with who Christ is, that they would just give over to the King. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.